Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome in to another episode of the Musings on Madison show here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57 and just your... Week, yeah, I guess we can call it a weekly reminder now that the website is secondcityhockey.com where you can find all of our content all season long. Uh, you can help support us by, first off, by wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you haven't done so already, you can leave us a five-star review. If you leave us four stars or less, we'll assume you're a Blues fan. Uh, but secondcityhockey.com is where you can find previews, recaps, and uh, analysis and commentary all season long. We have game threads every night for two as Twitter continues spiraling down the toilets uh, into the gutters that it's quickly becoming and and has been for a few years now. Um, and that website is where we'll continue to have exclusive content all season long. And uh, the biggest way you can support us is over there by signing up for either one of our tiers, five bucks into the Corey Crawford tier, 10 bucks a month into the Connor Bedard tier. And I just sent out last week, uh, the welcome packs for everybody who was in the Connor Bedard tier. If uh, you're in that tier and you didn't get one, uh, either check your email or get back to us because we reached out to everyone and I've got more stuff to send out. So please get in touch with us uh, if you sign up for that tier and we can get you the the welcome pack that everyone else got. And then uh, the other way you can support us is visit the website. where We've got plenty of merch for everyone, uh, hoodies, shirts, a whole bunch of good stuff there. Um, and in and, and big news, we've got a full room this evening. We've got a full complement of line mates. So up first, I, I forget the order. It feels like it's been so long since we've had a full room that I'm not sure the order. But we're going to start with uh, on Twitter at Mill182, and he is to Second City Hockey what Arthur Enders is to the early November. It's Mill Savage. That's really weird. My, one of my bands works with Ace Unders. Um, well, I, I bring that band up specifically because I had a ticket to see them. Uh, they were one of the openers along with the Spill Canvas for Armor for Sleep. And it was Monday night and I didn't go. Uh, Armor for Sleep is one of my favorites. I'm I'm really ups- uh, a little bit upset with myself. I just uh, it's a band I'd never seen and, and meant to. And I decided to stay home partially because it was a very long day at work and I didn't want to go. And I was also like, yeah, I'll just stay home and watch the Hawks game. That'll be a good way to pass the time. Uh, <laughs> Oops. Well, early November uh, live is very good. Highly recommended. And yeah. uh, Ace, Ace is a pretty cool guy. So what you're saying is I fucked up, Mel. No, they'll come back. They, they, well, that's, I feel like they haven't been around. Both of those bands have not been around for a very long time. So uh, hopefully they I do. Had, I missed Armor for Sleep because they were supposed to play during COVID and they got mm. rescheduled like way later and I couldn't go, which sucked. Um, but they're one of my favorites too. I love that band. Yeah. Very, very good. Hopefully maybe they'll do the, uh, in a few years, they'll do the 20 year anniversary tour <laughs> of the, uh, 
uh, what to do when you are dead album. That's the hope. Yeah. Well, don't don't you hate that that's going to be twenty in a few? Years? Yes, yes, I do. Let's let's we're going to quickly move on to the next person because I don't want to talk about that anymore because that realization made me sad. <laughs> I'm on the same page. Uh, yeah. Also with us this evening, she is not on Twitter, but she is at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I wanted to share this with people because I think it's an interesting fact, but did you know that you can clean brass with ketchup? No. Isn't that weird? But you can. I didn't know this. Um, we're replacing the hardware on the front doors because my uh, we were talking about my 15-year-old nephew before we came on the air. He like push it in too far and now the like little thing that's supposed to catch on the door won't go out all the way so (laughs) we have to replace the doors and the old hardware that's behind it is like kind of gross i don't know what color brass it was originally i thought it was antique brass but i think it's actually supposed to be shiny um and so i was looking for homemade recipes one of them said ketchup. I was like, I have that. I don't have any. <laughs> they were like, get a lemon and baking soda. I was like, I don't, I don't have a lemon, but I have ketchup. So they were like, do the dollop test. And sure enough, ketchup will clean brass pretty well. I just, you just let it, you slather it on and then wait like 15 minutes and then wipe it off with like a napkin. See, that is, you come to this podcast. Not only you're going to get some good hockey conversation, but you're also going to get some some uh life hacks for uh home home remedies i not not home remedies just some household chore uh, life hacks i guess catch up on brass got it yeah yeah i just needed to share with other people <laughs> my friends were like that's neat and i was like okay well i'm gonna tell everybody you can pretend you're not excited about this but i uh i mean i don't know i think i've got some brass on some door locks and i think i might go scuff them up just to try out some ketchup on them just for fun you do it tell me your results We'll do. We'll report report back next week when I definitely forget to do all this. <laughs> <laughs> also with us this evening, the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent, which, by the way, if you were at the website uh, last Sunday when there were no Hawks games to be played, uh, there was a uh, a lengthy edition of the pizza newsletter that he is working on. It's Eric Eggenheimer. Also, oh, I, was getting- I almost forgot you were back on Twitter, too. I'm back on Twitter. I dusted it off, pulled it out of the the library for the next two weeks or whatever until it's all gone. <laughs> I wanted to stand there and watch Rome burn, I guess, with all with all the rest of us. Also, I was giving you a ton of credit, Dave. You did Mill with the early November, and I'm like, oh, you did it because it's November 1st. So it's like the earliest it can be in November. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely a fun, not just because I <laughs> bailed on the concert because I was tired. Well, I got to do a quick shout out. The weather was terrible yesterday. I took my children trick-or-treating. They did great. But we have a guy down the street from us, um, and he does a haunted garage every year. And he just, he nailed it. It was so awesome. He was scaring the crap out of all of the children on my block. It was fantastic. So big thumbs up to anybody who goes the extra mile on Halloween. Uh, did you, were there a lot of participants in Halloween? Because, uh, I know this didn't happen where Betsy is, but it fucking snowed up here. So yeah, it was, it was snowing all day. It was snowing when we first went out, we took a break, we went back out. It was all right. And then it started snowing some more. So there was a lot of kids. You couldn't tell who most of them were because they're wearing their winter coats and hats and gloves and scarves and all that stuff. But you can't get in front of, you know, grade school kids and candy. That's not happening. They're going to go out no matter what. It didn't so. snow here, but there was a freeze. I only oh. knew because 
I got a notification at my condo that said, please open your tap so it'll drip. Oh. There's, there's no insulation down here for freezing weather. <laughs> That's just, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that that is, like, I think that comes into effect when it goes like sub-zero up here. I think that that's when we get the run the drip overnight. I think zero is the cutoff. Oh, it's it in the negative it degrees. Was, it was 38, I think, with the low here. Ooh. They were like, please run your water. Just a drip is okay. I think that was the high temperature today up here. I think when I went to work this morning, it was 32. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't worry. We've got a little bit more of the uh, the Southern experience. I think we're going to be discussing later on in this episode. Uh, right now, we could talk about the Southwestern experience the Chicago Blackhawks just had when they went to the uh, the desert in Arizona and got their asses kicked by the Arizona Coyotes eight to one on Monday night. And it was really weird because two nights before that, they played a legitimately good game against the Vegas Golden Knights, the defending cup champions and beat them. But I guess this is just uh, the nature of everything that uh, is going to be part of the experience of a young uh, developing team is they're going to do some wildly inconsistent shit such as, uh, beating this defending Stanley cup champions and then losing to a team that's supposed to be nearly as trash as they are. So as we assemble this evening, the Blackhawks, I believe are three and six now on the season. And they've got a weekend back to back against Florida and New Jersey because the schedule makers hated the Blackhawks, I guess this year. Um, so there's, there's uh, some other developments we're going to get to today at practice uh, involving one young Lucas Reichel, but we're going to come back to that in a second. But cause first I just, I want to get the impressions and Betsy, I'll start with you. Just any impressions from those last two games and maybe more. So uh, I don't, I want to say more so the, the Monday night game, cause that just seemed like a debacle, but uh, just what's been on your mind about the Hawks from those last two games. Uh, the Hawks are as devoid of offense this year as they were last year. And there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. And I'm not sure, like, obviously it's the roster is still chock full of, like low scoring dudes, but they have the worst high danger chance uh, rate in the league again already. And I think the second lowest expected goals. And I bet if you removed Bedard, it would be like <laughs> laughable, <laughs> like embarrassingly, like you'd be like, that's gross. I mean, it's already gross, but like you'd make an ew face. And some of that's coaching. Most of these well, guys are net crashing guys. Even if they can't score, they should be taking shots from in close. So what? What's, what's going on? There? What makes you say that it's coaching? Because like, if you look, it's at, the like, second year in a row that they've had terrible. They can't get to the net, even on rushes. They don't get to the net well. They don't crash the net at all, and they can't cycle. And the players are not high quality, but they are grunty, gritty guys that typically can get in close if they're able. Like, I don't understand. Like, even when a, when a guy comes in from another team who's used to shooting from in close and then all of a sudden isn't, like, that's not good. That's Perry. That's Felino. That's Donato even and everybody knows that I I've been harsh on him so it's a little it's an iffy thing to me granted it's very early in the season um 
but that's that's iffy. That's a that's a questionable thing to continue to watch because it's the second year in the row. And then on top of that, that game on Monday, there were obviously two really weird bounces that went against the Hawks. But I would advise anybody to go look at the um, one of the game charts, the one the stat card one, and just look at the deep blue on defense. Because that was the shittiest shit show of defense <laughs> that I have seen in a while. Who have ever sucked? Yeah, I mean, even it it kind of made some of the like like last year's defensive efforts look like those were good in comparison, and that's kind of crazy. Um, just there were so many breakdowns. There was so much. I don't know. Like they worked. They were like. It's a weird thing to say. They look like they were trying, but just really bad at it. Um, <laughs> like they were trying hard, but not doing anything. So maybe this is a one-off. You got to hope that it is. Um, Arizona is really fast. I didn't think they were as fast as they were, um, and it wasn't just because the Blackhawks are slow that made them look like that. Um, but that just shows the Blackhawks can't skate with fast teams. Era, uh, Colorado made them look like molasses. Arizona did too. So I think any of these really fast teams like New Jersey is probably going to make them look like a bunch of tenorities out there. Right. <laughs> um, so, so I, I, I just like, I'm, I'm curious. Well, like when you say, like when you point the finger to coaching, like I, but I, I understand the point, but it also feels like it's a second year with a really shitty roster. Like last year you had, like your leading offensive weapons were probably Domi and Kane, which again, I mean, I don't think that's like that version of Patrick Kane and Max Domi is not striking fear in the hearts of any defense. You take away those two guys this year, you add Connor Bedard and you can say Taylor Hall, but he's only played like two or three games. So, and you know, Lucas Reichel still finding his way. We'll talk to about him in a bit. So I like, I don't know how much better it's going to get with any coach here. Cause it just doesn't seem like a good team. I'll tell you, I'm not like you. Shay last year was like ten games in, was like oh, I'm done, right? <laughs> like do he's like I don't that. like figure. I'm not there yet. I'm just saying that it's a trend to watch because okay. it is again. There's enough different players that they're still making the exact same. Like there's like again, you're right. The quality hasn't really gotten better, but when you take somebody who was doing well in one particular area on a different team and a better system, plop him into the Blackhawks and all of a sudden he doesn't do that well. That's weird. You know, like that's a weird thing. Um, it's just something to watch. Those players are also older, you know, it's one year older for them. Um, but again, just, it's something to watch and it's not me saying, Oh, Richardson needs to be yanked. Um, I like him in general. I like his defensive side of the game better than the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't like it. I don't, some of his player choices are weird. Uh, but <laughs> Eric, what about you? Well, first of all, at least uh, all eight points had nothing to do with Sam Gagne, which <laughs> oh, that no. game felt very And I turned it I, off. I, I didn't have to took the words right out of my brain. I feel like I, yeah. I tweeted that from the second city hockey count that Michael Carconi or whatever is Italian Sam Gagne. Yeah. But it had that same like 
ridiculous feeling where you, yeah. you can almost see them like looking up, like what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And I, I turned it off after it was Ford one. I was like, that that's enough for me. Um, it's to piggyback a little bit off of what Betsy said, I think, and what you said too, Dave, kind of your response, nobody, there's nobody on the team that anybody's afraid of, you know, outside of maybe Bedard, everybody's keying on him. They can't get inside because everyone's just pushing them to the outside. They're not able to find any space because no one's giving them space because they're immediately all over them. The seven that they enter the zone because it's, who else are you afraid of? There's nobody else offensively that's doing much of anything. So I think that's at least a component of it. But I mean, the, the first 30 seconds were fantastic and were incredible. And I think like that's kind of a microchasm for we got to take those moments. And like that's what has to sustain us through the rest of this year is that beautiful pass from Korchinski to Bedard and Bedard it's on his blade for, you know, half a second and he just roofed it. And it was, you know, an incredible goal, great sequence. And then, and then the rest of the game happened. Yeah. So you just got to take those moments when you can get them. Cause that's probably the, the majority of what we're going to get. Hopefully we get a lot more of them as the season goes on, but I don't know that there's any bigger lessons to be learned. It's disheartening to lose that bad against the team that, had the same amount of points and pretty much an identical record as you to get stomped like that. And poor Soderblom too, that probably blew up his numbers for the next half a season. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's early. They're still figuring it out. I didn't see any big lesson to be taken from that other than, and I mean, they were saying afterwards, I think it was Felino, and I don't know if Seth Jones said it too, like, Oh, we were looking past Arizona and that's God. I fucking hope not. It seems ridiculous to me. You have one game in the next five days. It's the first time you're playing a team that's supposed to be on par with your talent level, and you're looking past them to Florida on Saturday. <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you just got the shit they, kicked out of you. If they're telling me they were looking forward to like being home for two or three days, I'm like all right, well, I, I at least listen to that. But yeah, like, it's, it's snowing here. You're in Arizona. Yeah, why, why would you want to come here? Exactly. Go outside in your flip-flops, hockey kids. Like, get out of here. I don't buy that for a second. It just, you know, they got the crap beat out of them. Move on. I just wonder if the Vegas flu followed them to Arizona. Like, did did they get out of the casino Monday morning, fly to Arizona, and then that, play that's that why night? Is that what happened? Yeah, that's why Korchinski and Bernard scored because they're not old enough to go. <laughs> yeah, they were the that. they were the only two without a hangover. They're drinking juice boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mill, what about you? Any, any thoughts from those uh, last two games? Yeah, I mean, the Vegas one I was actually pretty impressed with. You know, I mean, that, they were some good fight in them. And it's like, it's not like Vegas has a cup hangover or they're just taking it easy. They were undefeated, you know. But the 8-1, uh, the to one, you know, if the Hawks could score, kind of like Betsy said, even if it was like 8-5, to five, it wouldn't have looked as <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah. It just would have looked kind of like no defense, yaha time, whatever. But there's the way I would sum it up is there's a great Simpsons scene where Lisa's of reading some is. kind of, yeah, she's reading some kind of teenage like celebrity magazine, and she holds it up, and the title of the magazine is Unthreatening Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what I see the Blackhawks as. Um, yeah, I, I, I have, uh, I have nothing, nothing to add, Your Honor. That that's they're just, um, especially when you take Taylor Hall out of the lineup 
And so Bedard doesn't really have much help. Um, it's not, uh, it's just the, the offense, you know, they're, they're going to grind their way into some goals, but that is not a, that's not a recipe for consistent success over an 82 game season. And again, I, I feel like it's worth pointing out that they have had an absolute murderer's row of opponents to start the season. We talked about this last week. It's not getting any easier with uh, Florida and new back-to-backs against Florida and New Jersey this weekend, and then Tampa Tampa, and then Florida again, and then Tampa again. So like, I don't want to say there's going to be more eight to one games on the schedule. Well, it probably won't be because these are five really good teams. So the Hawks will be up for it. So maybe there'll be more, uh, more fun results in there, I guess. I, uh, I was filling out like every beginning of the month, I fill out like a calendar with just any obligations work. And then I put all the Hawks games when I was filling out their opponents, I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is going to be a rough month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's no bueno. Like it, uh, the, the back half gets a little bit lighter. There's, there's a few, uh, more closer to their level opponents. But well, you say th- that, but look what happened with Arizona. Yeah. So, so I don't know what the fuck to expect out of this team anymore. Now, uh, may, maybe they need to play the good teams to get them to, to show up for it. Mm. <laughs> Um, I think but, that they're they're looking past this season into, <laughs> into, into next. That's, that's, yeah, aren't we all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do. Before we get to the Lucas Reichel chatter, I wanted to come back to one thing, Betsy. I think you started to mention, and I know we've been discussing this. Um, and it, it kind of is ties in with the Lucas Reichel discussion because uh, at practice today, uh, Andreas Athanasiu was restored back to the lineup and uh, he, he'd been getting slowly bumped down the lineup and then got put in the press box. And now he was at practice on Wednesday as the second line center with Reichel on the wing. Um, and, and I know you've been talking about often to see you a lot at, uh, at our second city hockey headquarters discussion. Um, did you have any other thoughts related to that topic? Cause I, I have a few thoughts as well to follow up on what I think you might say. Well, I just don't. So Richardson had this whole thing. He said something about like, we don't want to just be a try hard team, like a team that tries hard and doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything. And then he plays the try hard players and sits one of the few skilled ones. And I'm not even saying that Athanasiu is, has been as good as he was last year, but the couple of times that he was allowed to be on that second line with Reichel, they actually looked really good. Um, Short samples. I, right. you know, I don't know what, what else he's doing. He he doesn't look great when he's on the fourth line, I'll tell you that. But again, he's not playing with the proper people, so I can understand why you might Oh god. Oh god, is this the is this the Dylan Strom conundrum all over again? They it put might be. The, like it's they a put little him on bit. the fourth line and he sucks, but then he then he doesn't earn a spot on the second line, but he's never gonna earn a way to the second line if he's playing with fourth line bums. Yeah, there's, it's just, there are compatibility issues with players. We've seen it Mm. with Bedard not being able to, Donato is a perfectly useful hockey player. And I feel like somebody was like, you must hate, he's your new whipping boy. And I was like, no, no, I like Donato. (laughs) No, no, that's the defenseman. Yeah. In particular. (laughs) Those guys can't even feel it. They're made of stone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Statues they are. Um, but I like Donato. I think he's a very useful player. I think if they decide to flip him this year or next, I think he's on a two-year contract. He could get like a second even because he could be very useful in the right role. I, I actually think he's better as a third liner than a fourth liner, but he just has to be with players 
that are at the same skill level as him and compatible with him. But he missed Bedard's shit all the time. Like, it was frustrating to watch. And then you've got Athanasiu, who also, like, I guess they were like, oh, he's fast, so he can also skate with, like, Entwistle in them. And I'm like, no, stop that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I don't, you're never going to get those points from him if he's in the press box. Yeah. But you're also probably not going to get that many points from Kachuk or Reese Johnson. Yeah. You know, like you'll occasionally get a point, but it's not going to be a lot. So yeah. why are you, wh- why sit him? Just, yeah. I don't understand. The only, the only thing I would say, and, and you kind of touched on it early on that, like it, I think there was, there were things that they are expecting out in the CU that they were not seeing. And by the belief that, uh, basically Richardson and the coaching staff is that by uh, sending him to the press box for a game, wakes him up, lets him know whatever he was doing uh, in their eyes that was not acceptable needs to stop immediately. And now they've got it back in the second line role. So maybe you will start to see the production out of him and this will just be a mere, uh, we'll forget all about this by Thanksgiving. But, I guess, so, but do you know what you're not seeing from Kachuk and Reese Johnson? Also not offense. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I don't I, mind them as players either. I don't want to like knock them. They're actually pretty useful. And I, I know we call Reese Johnson a nice guy, but he's actually been pretty yeah. decent defensively. They're, so. they're fine fourth line players, but you should be able to, you know, if the Hawks are good in three or four years, you should be able to find more players like that without yes. too much difficulty. So um, yeah, there should be 10 of them at Rockford. Anytime <laughs> you need them yeah. to go get them. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so like I, I'm think, um, I, I guess the hope now is that whatever, whatever Alphonse was doing to rub the coaching staff wrong is, is a, a thing of the past. And we'll see what happens with that, with him in a second line with Lucas Reichel, at least for the short term out on wing, which is, a uh, it was one of the big talking points. I think a lot in the preseason about, uh, where he was going to play the season. And they, they said, they said they wanted to give him a look at center. And I, obviously if you can get Lucas Reichel, if he ends up becoming a second line center for the Hawks for the next 10 years behind the top line center of Connor Bedard, that's a pretty damn good setup. And if he's not a center and he still ends up being a top six wing, that's still a pretty damn good uh, play uh, piece to have of the puzzle. Cause they have several other potential top six centers in the system right now and might even add more in future draft picks. So uh, the thing, so it, when asked about it today, like Luke Richardson said, it is more of a temporary thing. Well, he said, I believe the words he said were for now. So it doesn't sound like they are completely giving up on Reichel as a center. They're just going to move him to wing, maybe try to get something going offensively. Um, Eric, I know you had either written about it or we talked about it or it had come up somewhere. So I wanted to swing this over to you and ask what your reaction was when you saw that they're uh, moving Lucas Reichel out to a wing for now. I, I think it's good. I mean, I would have preferred to see him bumped up to the top line with Bedard and at least try to get one, one dangerous line. But yeah. we, I think, you know, we saw him kind of turn a proverbial corner and look like a completely different player. His last period, I think it was 15 games or so yeah. um, when he was back up at the NHL level before they sent him back to Rockford to end the, the season last year. And he he was like the one who looked dangerous. And he had good chemistry with Athens CU and he was playing loose and he was getting points. I don't think any of us have seen any of that. Maybe an occasional player, an occasional shift. But it's, 
it's almost like you can see him thinking the second the puck is on his stick and like trying to figure out the best move to make instead of just like playing and reacting. So if taking center and the defensive responsibilities that go along with that, taking that off his plate and just putting him on the wing and just letting him go like relax and play hockey. Like this is the season to try shit. There's nothing you're, there's no qualms at all about nobody thinks they're going to try to make a run or contend. You know, that was probably uh, a couple games ago. That's probably the closest they're going to be to 500 this season. (laughs) So the, the only thing that matters is getting him going. And mm-hmm. you got nothing to lose by doing that, by putting him on the wing. So put him on the wing and just let him go play hockey. And hopefully he doesn't think about it as much and he can get some plays and get some goals. And then, you know, Bob's your uncle. If you want to move him back at center in a couple of weeks and give it a shot, if you don't, that's fine too. Cause yeah, th- there's plenty of other kids who can play center in the system. So, and, and just even the fact that they had him specifically as a wing last year and then it's, we'll bring them up. We'll try it. If they don't ever come back to it again, I don't think any of us would be that upset by it. It's so long as he's playing well, that's the most important thing is just that he's playing well. So whatever it takes to get him going, like do it, get him going. Yeah, absolutely. Just however, he's got no points in nine games. And I think if any, no matter what circumstance you had given me, uh, if you tell me in nine games, Lucas Reichel doesn't have any points, I would say, well, that's, that's probably not a good start to the season. So uh, whatever, whatever works. Like I put him on defense. If he's got a score from there, I don't give a shit. Well, that's okay. That's probably too far, but you get the point. Like just, I am totally agreement with the get him going idea. Um, Mill, did you have anything else? The, any other Lucas Reichel thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't <laughs> think that. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let me just phrase this the way I'm going to phrase it right okay. now. He kind of stinks, but it's not because he's a bad player. They just need to get him going somehow. He's, and he's, I, just, I, he's just having a bad time. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we know that he has some skills, but I, I kind of agree with Eric. I would like to see him with Bedard because, one, they haven't really tried it, and two, what the hell do you have to lose? Yeah, like there, there's been a handful of Bedard, Reichel, Kurashev shifts that I've noticed. I think they tried it a few times in Arizona. I think there was a few in the third period when the game was clearly out of reach. But yeah. um, I and it seems like I feel like Richardson said at some point in a presser recently that that is something they are going to roll out every now and then just to um, just to get that group together and give them a chance to click a little bit. Because, again, that's, you know, that's about the only thing that's been clicking offensively. Well, I, I, yeah. let me retract that. That's the, the one thing that should click. Nothing has lately. So, um, yeah, I feel like they don't have enough time to gel. Either he doesn't keep them together enough, like certain lines. Are, are we? Are so we're back to the uh, line blender era already? Is that where? Well, we're at? I just feel like for the team that's fairly a new group of guys who haven't really played together, you got to develop some kind of chemistry. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's, and you know, like Bedard and uh, Bedard and Reichel had not been teammates until this season. Nobody had been a teammate of Bedard until this season. And Reichel and Kershev barely played together last season. So right, right. You know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Betsy, did you have any other thoughts on this one? Reichel was drafted as a wing. Okay. So I know he got put into the center position when he was with his German team because of injuries. And they kept him there because he, he did very well there. But the one of the wingers on that team acted like the center. 
Like he he was he did all the defensive work essentially. Um, it was a it was a really if you I can't remember who wrote like a deep dive into it of like it's great that he's doing this, but maybe don't read that much into it. And then he, they did it in Rockford where playing center in the AHL is not the same as playing center in the NHL. If you are more skilled than the other AHLers, you will do fine in any position. And Reichel was more skilled than most AHLers. So mm. it's great there. Um, it's kind of the same way in college. If you're more skilled, you can play center fine in college. It doesn't mean that you're going to transition into center in the NHL. Reichel is probably not a center long term. And he doesn't he doesn't feel like a natural center when he's playing. He doesn't have the natural instincts to it. And he didn't in Rockford either. Um and then on top of that, we've seen this. Sh- we've seen this before. We've, this movie is on repeat. <laughs> um, Tara Vinen came in. He was actually drafted as a center. He did play wing more than center the season leading up to his draft, but he he was a center draft. Um, and they tried him there. But where did he work best? On the wing. They tried him there again. Still better on the wing. Where has he stayed predominantly in his career? And it's taken off offensively. And he. Does well defensively too. That's not a knock on him. On uh, on wing. Okay, now we're to the sequel. Nick Schmaltz. <laughs> oh, no, oh this he is comes a trilogy? in trilogy. God damn it! No oh, it's totally a trilogy. Um, and maybe there's a twist. You know, maybe the third one will be a surprise, and Reichel will be a center. But Nick Schmaltz comes in, and he played center all through college. Tavo was and... Reichel's father. That's what we'll find out at the end of the second one. <laughs> Wouldn't that be that'd be fun? Um, <laughs> We're like, oh, a shocker. Um, he comes in. He's played center. He at least has a history of it, and he he did it well in college. And it looked like he he could do it well because he had that instant connection with Kane. Um, mm. But with anybody else, it didn't work. And part of that might have been because Kane acts like a center as a wing in a lot yeah. of ways. He doesn't not defensively, but like he controls the line he's on. Well, yeah, he's and, another guy who was drafted as a center and couldn't yes. play the defensive part in the NHL. Exactly. So what happens to Nick Schmaltz when he's eventually traded and they try him at center a little bit in Arizona, but where does he play now and has been for a while? On wing. And what happened to his numbers? They got better. His defensive numbers did too, you know, because it's not quite as like a heavy lift, which means he doesn't have to be as perfect or as like strong there and but still be good. And, you know, Reichel has all the makings. He's the exact same mold as them. I'm not saying he's the exact same player, but player mold playmaker doesn't shoot a lot. Similar builds. Hell, their skatings are almost pretty similar. Nick Schmaltz is a little bit faster. Um, I think Reichel probably has better lateral movements. Uh, Tara Vine is somewhere in between there. They're very, very similar players. Mm-hmm. Tara Vine is probably a little bit more creative. Uh, Schmaltz is a little bit faster with the puck. I think Reichel, at least in the HL, I think he could end up being more efficient. Um, yeah, we're on the trilogy. I, I think it's going to end up with the same ending. It's going to be like every season of The Flash. You know, there was a time rewind. He went too fast. And now something's happened to the time stream and they have to fix it. It's the same same thing over and over again. Yeah. Slightly different plot, slightly different characters. Reichel's probably not going to be a center. I am fine with them trying him at center, but... Right now, his mojo is at an all-time low, and he's gotten worse as the games have gone on. 
Yeah. You know, they keep Richardson was trying to be like, oh, well, you know, we're trying to get him to do specific things. And I'm like, your specific thing really should only be build up his confidence because he looks like he has none right now. Well, he said he said today in the uh, the media session after practice, he said he's pissed. He's frustrated that he's not scoring. He wants to score points as yes. every other Ford does. So, yeah, uh, I think anything that gets him going will be a good thing. I don't um, like I don't I I. I told I cannot disagree with your long-term assessment that where he's going to end up is probably on the wing, but I also wouldn't, um, I wouldn't call this a total abandoning of the center experiment just yet because, well, I, I, let me rephrase that. Like it's, they'll probably try him at center again. In, even if that doesn't work. And even if in the long term he ends up as a winger, that's totally fine. A first, like a, the number 20 pick ending up as a top six wing is a great development. Like he doesn't have to be a center. There's so many, uh, there's so much he can contribute as a wing that it's totally fine. Like it, I, I feel like there's a, um, like the, the mood on him is souring because he's not good at center. Like it's okay. Like it happens, happens to a lot of prospects. So, well, you said the word you just said, that's what I want to point out. You said contributing. And right now yeah. he hasn't contributed anything. No. And I think that's, that's the same frustration everyone has is this is the guy who essentially should have been your second best young offensive player, you know, besides the very best one on your team. And he hasn't contributed anything yet. And so whatever it's going to take to get him going at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters, but he has to start contributing something for his own sake and for the sake of the team so that, mm-hmm everyone can, you know, loosen up and he's capable of doing things. A lot of other guys on that team are not capable of doing, and he needs to start doing them for the benefit of everyone, including himself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, 82 game season, they've only played nine games, all the caveats apply. We're trying like it is. Um, I, I think, I, I think the, just the, the Bedard experience had a lot of hopes up about, um, just that the season being more fun. And it's, I, it certainly is definitely more interesting than last season already, because we have young players to talk about, not only the names we've mentioned, but also the Wyatt Kaisers and Alex Vlasics and Isaac Phillips of the world. Um, but it's still, uh, you know, still going to lose a lot of games. So I, I think that's the part of this, the part of this whole equation that is uh, staring us squarely in the face, but every now and then Bedard's going to do something cool. And I'm just, I'm waiting for the Bedard hat trick game. Cause it's, it's coming at some point this season. I feel like he's going to have a hat trick in a game at some point this season. And we will. And then that game will sustain us for at least two months, whenever it does arrive. I want one of you guys that has a media credentials and just go up to Luke Richardson and say, stop being a coward. <laughs> yes, let, that did not. <laughs> I want you to say it just like that. Stop being a coward and load up the first power play with Bedard, Reichel, and Krachinski. Just do that it. Is, that is Bet- um Betsy. Next time I go to a game, I will FaceTime you, <laughs> and I, I will hand I will hand the phone to Luke Richardson for you. I mean, like, if you I hand need- it to me, I'll tell him to stop being a bitch. Uh, yeah, look, we'll, I'm just going to be like, I need you to look me right in the face. Luke, can I call you Luke? Sucking a coward. Luke, Mill will buddy. pop up with a bitch and it'll go like that. Okay. Hey, coach bitch. Because that, that's what I, I, I had kidding, that thought as, uh, as I was watching the, the Bedard goal in the opening minute against Arizona, that it was a Kuczynski pass all the way across the ice to Bedard uh, and led to a goal. And my, my first thought was, 
man, it'd be cool to see that on the Hawks power play. Like I, I get like, like Seth Jones is the veteran and he earned that spot, whatever. Like I, I, like that is a, that is a hockey wide problem. It is not just a Luke Richardson thing of the, a over deference to veterans in roles like such as the power play. But I just like, it would be I, really cool to just go like uh Bedard, Bedard Korchinski, Reichel Kurashev, and then throw Corey Perry in front of the net and let him get assaulted because that's what he enjoys doing. Yeah. There, and there's your top power play unit. It could be their babysitter. I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, that's what he was brought on to do. Get we're, him we're like, solving problems baby here. straps and get going. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, also Richardson, and this is another thing that sucks with hockey, is like his second year as a real NHL coach, so he's going to play by all those fucking rules. Because he's not one of these seventy-year-old guys who's coached fifteen different teams and knows he'll get another job. How long was he in Montreal? Seven. I don't know. Years. Um, no, no, like as the coach. Oh, was the head coach? He was. Oh, he wasn't. I don't right now. No, this was his I first think, head coaching gig. He. I think. He, why did I think that he was the head coach there? And I don't know why. I, yeah, because I know nobody knows who coaches <laughs> there. It's just random guys. Okay, he's not, just, he, I, he, he wasn't French enough to be the head coach there. <laughs> That's true. true. I should have. I should have thought of that. You got to be able to yell in French. <laughs> That's why they love Martin Saint Louis. He did um, mm. shoot the refs away. Which oh, was yeah, yeah. Let's. <laughs> I, I have to give give Rich the credit for that. He told the ref just to go away. I have. I don't think I've seen an NHL or like any professional coach do that before. That was the that ref was very did enjoyable. it real quick too. The ref was like, "All right, goodbye." Like he turned around real quick. <laughs> yeah. If you ever hear what they actually talk, like how they talk to each other, it's insane. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and that's and that's why they probably don't ref mics uh, uh, mic up refs that often because. It's that's not you. You'd have to put it on HBO. It would not be suitable for any uh, any traditional cable TVs. That's like a you got to pay. That's a premium channel uh, subscription. There, honestly, there are very few NHL players that they probably could take the risk of liking up. Let alone referees and coaches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, I don't. I do not like Sean Thornton, but I saw Sean Thornton mic'd up from whatever twelve years ago. And oh, it was a great one. I forget who he was scrapping with in the corner, but he just goes left or right. And the guy looks at him and he goes, What? And he goes, Left or right? And he's like, What are you talking about? He's like, Which one of my hands am I going to beat the fuck out of you with? And I was like, Oh my God. That's, oh, that's, that's really good. The, the that's, Hawks, that's a good one. By one of the Hawks Legend, HBOs. Jordan, right? Yeah, exactly. One of the Hawks HBO ones is great because you hear Taves tell the ref, fucking horseshit fucking call and the ref yells at q saying what do you want you've been on the power play all goddamn night which you know q didn't want that that's why he was yelling at him stop exactly penalties. stop putting us on the power play we suck at it and then, and then you see there's a shot of q turning purple yelling fuck like real loud i have no idea who he's yelling at but it's really funny uh, why what was the why did Quin- Quinville grab his dick that one time? That was oh, they beat that the was Blues. At, that was after the was, wakey okay. wakey back is hit. Uh, um, my he was, first, he was Dave, pissed. you were at that, right? Yeah, he was pissed because uh, the Blues defenseman jumped into the fight, so Quinville wanted the draw outside the zone, but they put the draw inside the offensive zone for St. Louis, and that was his entire reason he was pissed. He kicked the, the towel and then grabbed his dick. It was great. <laughs> my brother and I's band, the first shirt we ever did was that year, and we put that picture on it. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Ah, good times. I'm looking. Grown at- men kicking things is funny to me. Like little. Things. 
I'm, I'm looking for. Oh, maybe we'll get uh, Luke Richardson to start kicking some stuff if he uh, if if other things happen. I need him to stand on a bench and kick a teeny tiny towel. The <laughs> best is the guy who threw the fucking bench on the ice. No, Scott. <laughs> on a related note, Sky Point Bob Knight. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of speaking of furniture. Yeah. If we're talking all time greatest interactions though with an official, I'm gonna have to sport jump for a second. The time that Carlos Zambrano threw the umpire out of the game after he <laughs> threw Carlos Zambrano and then took a baseball and threw it about seven thousand feet. That was that's my all time favorite. It was also when Lou Pinella kicked his hat at the fucking umpire. <laughs> Now you're just saying oh. names that I don't know. <laughs> Lou Pinella, that's that's the grumpiest grandpa you've ever seen in your life, Betsy. Oh, I think yeah. even you could appreciate him. Essentially, this is just all uh, large adult men throwing tantrums. I do Remember, find that is, amusing. Welcome to the Second City Hockey Remember Some t- Tantrums segment. Dave, yeah. I told you a couple weeks in, I'd start getting my guy remembering up. Yeah, there we go. Well, we had a Sean Thornton reference. We're remembering some tantrums. We're we're back to we're in the midseason form. It took us to November, but we're <laughs> this here. is what happens when you lose when you lose eight to one to the Coyotes. Yeah. Like, uh, what do you expect? Of course, we're going to be talking about these. Yeah. Things. Well, hey, just I, I I feel like I need to go back and listen to some of the episodes when the Hawks are in the middle of that stretch where they lost twenty one of twenty three. I have those numbers oh. grilled into my head. Uh, hopefully we don't get one of those this season. I would like just keep going like winning one uh, one out of every four instead of two out of twenty three like that. Ugh. Yeah. While we're still a guy remembering my of the Arizona beating, my brother said they all look like Sergey Samsonov off there. That's, I thought that was a good callback. He's yeah. I, I just don't know. I just don't know why that that was the name that came to mind. But okay. I don't know. Fucking because we'll he was. Just, we were talking about guys who suck. No, fucked for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he 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 was not well. That that whole era, everyone was bad. So that's true. All right, we're gonna take a quick timeout. We got a few other hockey topics to get to, more league wide stuff because I think we're exhausted all of our Blackhawks discussions. So uh, come on back on the other side of this break for the rest of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Got a few other topics we want to tackle. Uh, some league wide stuff. Um, I the one there, there's been two or three things that have made pretty big headlines across the hockey world. One of them happened on Wednesday, um, but I want to go back to Saturday. Um, I had a text from a buddy, randomly, a friend of the show, Lewis, uh, one of the original Bedard tier members. Thanks, Lewis. Um, it just said, avoid the Adam Johnson video. Um, and this was, I think it was Saturday night. Cause I don't think they pronounced him dead until Sunday morning, but he was the ho- former NHL player was playing hockey in England, apparently got a skate blade to the neck or so he got hit by a skate blade and ultimately died as a result of what happened. And it's like a terrifying thing that happens with some regularity. I, I shouldn't, well, I don't know if regularity is the right word for it, but we were like, it happened to Evander Kane. Uh, it happened to Richard Zednick. It happened like the Clint Malarchuk in, incident back in the eighties is infamous. If, and if ask your parents about it, if you're, if you're unfamiliar, um, like there, there's been some really scary shit that's happened with skate blades and uh, like you're starting to like uh, I think Mark Lazarus over at the athletic wrote an article where he talked to some NHL players. I think TJ Oshie said something about he went at, like he had some affiliation with a company that was making either shirts uh, like it's his company. It's his company. OK, it's, and, it's Oshie's company. Yeah. And they, they make they make like undershirts that are like cut proof, I guess, or something like they, they are. They are some way uh, 
providing a layer of caution or a, a layer of protection for the players from this type of thing happening. Uh, the WHL uh, earlier on Wednesday announced that they're um, mandating uh, net guards for everybody. Uh, they did that in the league in England where Adam Johnson was playing in. And I just like, I, I think the the main thing I come away from this is like, I feel like every sport, every sport we're watching picket hockey, basketball, baseball, football, they're all getting bigger, faster, strong. And the game is moving faster. Things are happening quicker. The players are exerting more force on the puck or the ball or whatever. And as this is all happening, the sports are becoming more dangerous for the players. So, you know, levels of precaution that were taken in the 60s and 70s probably need to be beefed up in the 2020s because, you know, goalies wear helmets now. Players wear helmets now. Players have to wear visors now. Anybody new to the league, it's mandated now. They have to wear visors. And maybe neck guards is the next thing because these, like, the skate blades are so goddamn sharp now. Like, they're sh- they're sharpening them between shifts. And that's not something they used to do uh, not all that long ago because the technology with the skate blade just popping out of the skate. Like, it's, it's an incredibly dangerous thing. And the fact that, you know... Um, like this could have happened in the NHL, it feels like, and I, I feel like it's not being so dramatic to say that. So if the NH, like if other leagues move to mandate net guards, it's probably a good thing, and I don't feel like it should be. Uh, I hope I haven't seen like any like major re- uh, criticisms of leagues doing that, but um, I don't know, Eric. Did you have any other thoughts on that? No, I mean they said yeah, OC's company they developed that. Um, for wrists after Kane and for ankles after Carlson, when Matt Cook sliced his Achilles. Um, and he said that they already had Oshie's company. He already, they already did next stuff. And Lazarus was kind of like, why don't you wear it? And he's like, I don't know. Like I should, it's just, it's not comfortable and you're not used to it. And like hockey such weird creatures of habit yeah. with all their bizarre superstitions and stuff. And that was kind of the point of Lazarus's article too, was you have guys that have worn the same pads since like juniors or whatever. So it's, I mean, it, it, it's a horrible thing. Um, the thing that's really kind of gotten me about it all of a sudden too, and not to get into a whole sideways conversation is I think it was today, Sean Avery and then Chris Terrian, are coming out and they're saying the the other player, they're saying that there was intent by the other player. Oh yeah, and it's, okay. I I I did see this too. Go on. Though, Sean, sorry. I don't know why anybody ever listens to anything Sean Avery ever has to say for the rest of humanity. I, that dude is such a scumbag. Um, but Oshi, you know he and he Oshi talked about in the article how there are certain things you're always aware of your skates. It's kind of ingrained. It's this weird second nature to you. And even sometimes the way he falls, it looks like he's almost trying to hurt another player by you're landing on your knees on the guy, but it's because you're tucking your skates to make sure that you don't get them. But even with all that, he got nicked, you know, right by his visor earlier. uh, I think he said it was during a preseason game. So the NHL can't mandate it. But who was who was the guy that Jason Dickinson just uh, accidentally healed in oh, the face yeah. and almost From like Boston, like a couple inches one way or another. And that guy doesn't have an eye anymore. But like, how do you protect that? Do they wear like whole face masks? You know, like yeah. and yeah, that's what 
the the skate blades like they just keep getting sharper the guys are faster it's there's so much more skill involved and you know you hear like freak accident freak accident freak accident enough of these that's not it's not freak accidents anymore i don't know what you do to protect these guys but you know get the get the thomas Buchanan turtleneck out everybody's got to do it i guess yeah like there there's always going to be an inherent risk in playing this sport and many others you cannot you can never completely remove the element of danger of serious injury from them but i mean it doesn't mean you can't you don't have to do anything you can do something um i don't know betsy did you have any other thoughts on this i mean this is a sport where you have knives strapped to your feet. Like whatever you can do to protect your people. I feel like it shouldn't have taken a death because there, there are at least two major incidents that happened in the NHL. Mm -hmm. I think both of them were goalies. One of them for sure was, um, cause I, forever was like, don't watch that video. Um, is that the Malarchic one in the eighties? Yeah. 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 that one is, I mean, I mean, like, I, I, I don't want to tell people to go watch it because, like, it hit his the jugular artery, right? Yeah, and the yeah. only reason he survived, like, it was such a crazy thing. He, if he had been at the other net, people, they, they don't think he he would have bled out because he was closer to the uh, door that opens on the rink. Um, mm-hmm. So they got him out faster, and he was on the side of the net that the. Uh, emergency personnel was on and that they happened to be like an army ex army person. And they were like them getting to him quick enough to, to essentially like squeeze to make sure he didn't bleed out. And then how quick they got him out of there is the only reason he survived. Um, and, and that's that was all like, coincidence. What, like 30, 40 years ago now. Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. another one, but yeah, it's just, it's like, just do your best. Like, I feel like the, the other, like, um, there's not enough goalies that wear the like hanging neck thing because and goalies yeah. have been hit in the the neck with hundred mile per hour pucks, much less skates. And so like yeah. it's just a weird thing that this equipment people know it could happen and the equipment exists and they've just never tried to implement it more. Um and they should. And it sucks that it took a death for it to happen because they had injuries that could have led to death previously I mean- or maimings and stuff like that so well like the the reason there are nets behind the goals protecting the fans now is because like a 13 year old girl in columbus i think it was got hit yeah. by a puck in the crowd and died as a result of the injury she suffered when the puck hit her and like you, you go to games down like you see someone crank up a 100 mile an hour slapper from the point it hits a stick it goes into that netting it's it it's still probably in the 90s when it hits that net like if that hits someone now i mean like the the net is there and it's it's a good thing it's there and they they did it in baseball too because the pucks are the puck is moving faster than it ever has before the baseballs in baseball are moving faster than they ever have before so it's it's like i i i feel like so many sp- things in sports they things are resistant to change but it's like it's an acknowledgement that these games are evolving and things that might not have been an issue 20 30 40 years ago are an issue now and and this is one of those things Yep. Goalies didn't wear face masks. Players didn't wear helmets. Yeah. It's, like yeah, there was a line in the sand for a lot of this stuff. And it, I mean, it's hard to say, because even if they would have implemented it, if every single player in the NHL wore this, 
would guys in a league in the UK be wearing it too? Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. It, the whole thing, it's at the end of the day, all that matters is that it's incredibly sad. Mm, and yeah. it's a terrible thing that happened to, you know, this young man who was just out there chasing his dream, trying to do the thing that he loved the most. And if that affects change, that's going to save people down the road. I mean, that's probably the only good thing that comes out of it. Yeah. Um, and, and it feels like, you know, if, if the NHL were to start this from the top down and, you know, then it trickles down to the, to the juniors, to college, and then to maybe even youth leagues, like in, in five, 10 years, the neck guard is just a standard acceptable piece of equipment and no one gives a second thought about it. But, um, it, things like this seem like they have to, the best way for them to become part of the, the culture is the right word, but just become a part of how hockey is, um, is to go top, uh, from the top on down. So um, I don't, I'm not saying like the NHL needs to mandate neck guards tomorrow, but if they did it, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Yep. Um, the only other, the one other NHL thing that uh, Eric, I'm going to throw this over to you since you mentioned it was the, 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 uh, steady implosion of the Ottawa senators, I guess we'll call it, or maybe not steady. Maybe it was just all today. Um, but uh, they they lost the first round pick. Their GM's gone. Uh, the owner's pissed because there's all these things happening to his team that apparently he didn't know about when he bought the team, which seems like something he should have known about before he bought the team. But uh, I, I just want to throw this over to you and see what you thought about uh, everything fun happening in Ottawa right now. Well, first of all, the, the Pinto thing is crazy. Yeah. With well, him being suspended for half a season. And there was kind of, you know, I I would think that like if there were sparks in Ottawa, that was the thing that really set it ablaze was when that came down. And there's lots of stuff that you can get into with every single commercial when you watch the game on television is some online sports betting thing. And then that's obviously, well, nobody knows because they haven't made an official statement, which I think is probably part of the deal. Part of the reason he just accepted the suspension is they haven't talked about what he was betting on other than to say he wasn't betting on the NHL or games that he played in. So it's probably just football. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, that was the first part. And then, yeah, the the fact that they announced which I don't remember hearing that there was even that much of an investigation. I remember it was kind of this weird thing that everyone else laughed at when dad and was like, no, I, I don't want to go to Anaheim. I'm just going to stay in Vegas. Thanks. And then they were like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what the you heck? We didn't even that? know. Yeah. They didn't even know he had a no trade. Um, but I mean, it, where it pertains to us, I think is, you know, Kevin Korczynski is, part of the trade that sent Alex to there and to whatever he didn't like it there enough to the point that he told them he wasn't going to stay. And now he's in Detroit and he seems to be doing just fine in Detroit for himself. Shooting 33% last time I checked, which I'm sure will sustain itself over an 82 game season. Well, listen, he's leaving the <laughs> NHL in goals. So good for you know. him. Good for him. Good for him. Absolutely. Uh, although we still hope the Red Wings lose every game. He hits a hat trick every night, but Detroit loses every game. There you go. Four to three. Um, but it's so, yeah, uh, their GM, Pierre Dorian, got fired today after the punishment announcement came down that they're going to have to forfeit a first-round pick. Um, I did just see something right before we came on the air. They were talking about how when New Jersey got that penalty for the ridiculous Kovalchuk contract, um, eventually they were able to kind of plead that down to not having to give up a first-round pick. 
but man, Handlauer came out guns blazing, <laughs> um, <laughs> just talking about, you know, uh, all these things that he didn't know when he purchased the team and how the NHL didn't really fill him in. And it seemed like they just kind of greased the wheels to, to get him to buy. And then even in the, the Slack channel that we're in with a lot of the other for hockey fans writers, they were talking about, they were speculating a little bit whether or not that was the thing that maybe Ryan Reynolds group got <laughs> caught a little wind of this, oh, these okay. things beforehand. And that's what made them back down. Uh, and maybe Snoop Dogg's group as well. Who knows? Ryan but, Reynolds, so, didn't his group say that they weren't treated well? Like that He said that they didn't like how the NHL treated. I saw that too. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it could be both. He was like, I don't like how you treated me. Plus, you're not telling me everything. Yeah. But I, the Senators, I mean, that, that's a team that I really, I love Stutzla. And they have some really, really good young players that were great, you know, offensive defensemen on the back end between Shabbat and Chikrin and Sanderson. Like, they were one of those teams that's supposed to take the next step. And it seems like, you know, there's... It's already, it's just a giant mess. They can't get out of their own way. And that's how it feels. There's that, you know, their weird cup run. Um, did they go to the cup? Or did they, no, they lost to the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals, They lost right? to the Penguins in Game 7. Okay. And then they went to the final in like 2007, lost to the Ducks. I was thinking later. It was the year that, and it was 2014, because they lost to the Rangers and then, that's the year that the Kings beat the Hawks. Yeah. And then they also went back to the conference final in 17. Game seven. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. It was a big old mess. And it's too bad. I like their squad too. (laughs) Yeah. Like with the, with Stutzla and they have a really good defenseman prospect whose name escapes me at the moment. Sanderson. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, like they seem like they have some good young talent. Yeah, Claude uh, fucking Giroux. <laughs> well, I that's that's not the young talent portion of the and, and yeah, Tarasenko. No, Bathurst is for, oh, yeah, Bathurst forever. Um, but yeah, that's a that 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 just seems like that's that's like a malaise that's going to hang over the team for the rest of the season, and yeah. Well, and they and they don't have a GM right now. They're I guess their president yeah, of hockey them? ops is kind of <laughs> taking over. Yeah, maybe not, but. So, but it was hilarious. Somebody, I guess, uh, somebody already mentioned Peter Shirelli as a, oh, as a possible. So all I can all say is uh, hilarious deals. Poor, poor Dominic Kubalik. That that's where he's playing his trade these days. Yeah, he's I, he's scuffling just, too. He's he's got one goal. Yeah, and yeah. Just I just learned that's where he's playing because uh, I he was I, part I, of the Debrinka trade. Yeah, I I just. Uh, Dominic Kubelik will be. That's going to be one hell of a trivia question of the uh, thirty goal scorers from the late teens on the Blackhawks. Everyone will say Kane Panarin. Uh, and you get down to the list too. Dominic Kubelik. What a what a year. What a time. Um. So I think that's it for the hockey thoughts. Any anything else that we missed? I got I'm nothing. Ta- I'm, I'm good. Ta- I'm going to take that pause as an agreement that there is nothing we have missed. So we have a uh, a recurring segment here as we're reclaiming our mantle as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet. If we continue saying it, it will become true. Uh, Betsy, uh, apparently this game we're going to start playing now is, is this a Southern thing? So uh, do you have something new for us? I hear. Well, I just want to know, have you guys ever eaten 
a vinegar pie. No, and I don't want to. Yes, I've never no. heard of that. Oh no. my god! <laughs> I thought no. that was a reaction. Uh, what are you people doing in the <laughs> south? What is going on down so, there? First of all, it's there. Do you guys know what depression pies are? <laughs> vinegar pie sounds like a depression pie to me. It is because it's going mean, to make me historically. De- so during the depression okay. era. Um, things like fruit were not readily available. So they started making, or it was more ex- too expensive. So at a lot of hard hit places and the South was hit some of the hardest, they started to create pies out of other things. Jesus Christ. It's um, called a water pie. That's, that's what, that, when you type in depression pie, the first thing that comes up is water pie, a recipe from the great depression. Okay. <laughs> I've never had that, but like, but, if you've ever had like a buttermilk pie or, you know, so a vinegar pie is literally a pie. It's just eggs, sugar, vanilla, butter, and like a tablespoon and a half of vinegar. And the tablespoon and a half of vinegar makes it taste kind of like, like lemon. Like it's just enough. It makes, for some reason, it makes it tart enough. It's like just enough that it makes you think you're eating fruit. Hmm. it's a very it's an interesting like it tricks your your it's it's just enough tart that it tricks your brain into thinking that you're eating something that it's not oh my, um, my, the only thought i'm coming up with right now betsy is no wonder you guys lost the war <laughs> well again 1920s was well you are okay okay but still but this this is the kind of shit you guys are coming up with it's <laughs> It's actually really See, cool. I'm just I, well. When I'm you like, go through the ingredients, it's not that bad. So you got to talk it's, to the marketing a- department who <laughs> called it vinegar pie because that's where it's no, it's no. It's just a marketing issue. Okay. <laughs> Some people call it the old fashioned vinegar pie, which maybe sounds a little bit better, but um, it looks like a like it when you whenever you make it, it kind of looks like a lemon pie even because the ingredients make it yellow. Um, I like it better than key lime and I like, I like key lime pie pretty much, but like this actually tastes a little bit better and it has no fruit in it to me. Um, but I, I actually would recommend people trying it if they've never had it before. Uh, it's really cheap to make, obviously. Um, I would recommend using white vinegar and not apple cider. You would think because apples in its name that it would make it, they both taste fine, but for some reason white, white works a little bit better to me. But, um, yeah, it, doesn't taste that different from like if you've got like a lemon merengue kind of pie, but there's no lemon in it. It's just vinegar tricking your taste buds. Like cutting through the, the just, like sugar. Yeah. I mean, I like in I can I can see the theory behind all this. It's just uh I, I feel like this someone needs some Somebody who knows me needs to make this and have me eat it without telling me what it is. And then like, oh, this is that depression pie that Betsy was talking about. I, gu- I guarantee if you look at pictures, you'll go, that looks like a lemon pie. Like it I looks see, like-, like a few of these pictures do look, I mean, it looks, it looks edible. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it's literally just, it's four ingredients plus, and then vinegar, you know, like, and the other ingredients are standards, you know, um, it's got kind of the same consistency of a, like lemon creamy pie um you can there's a way to make it a little bit more cheesecake uh texture um 
but yeah, I, like I said, I was just, I knew you guys would react that way because vinegar is disgusting, but for some reason you have the perfect amount. It makes your brain think you're eating like lemon flavor. All the ones I'm seeing, it's just saying water pie, not, uh, the depression pie. And like, I'm not seeing any reference to vinegar. Uh, the very first one that comes up to me literally has a picture of a old, like on old all recipes. Old school vinegar pie. Got it. Okay. What are depression pies? There are different ones. There, the buttermilk one was the other one that I did. Um, I knew about that one. Um, so is this, can you get this like at a lot of pie shops in the South or is this one that like people make from time to time? Uh, I've only ever had it homemade. Okay. Um, my sister makes it regularly because she liked it when she was a kid. So she, she, when she, like, the reason I even thought of this is because Thanksgiving's coming up and my sister's coming in and she asked what she, like, what we want, wanted her to make. And she was like, I'll make pumpkin bread, I'll make some pecan pie, and then I'll make a vinegar pie. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one to ask about if anybody yeah, yeah. eats that. And I don't know how common it is, like, everywhere in the South or if it's even, like super common, but it's definitely something that people eat here. I've, it was brought to a potluck that I went to, um, right before the pandemic. And it was actually really, really good. They made, whoever brought it made their own whipped cream too. So, and homemade whipped cream is. Oh, it's so much better. So much better. It's so easy too. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of different, like literally there's, uh, the fake apple pie one, um, I think they make it with crackers, which is a weird association. Um, and they put cinnamon in it. And somehow it kind of reminds you of apple pie filling. Um, the buttermilk one is one I've had more often because it's literally just buttermilk everybody likes. So yeah. it's sugar, flour, butter, eggs, buttermilk. Um, and everybody likes like cornbread and buttermilk down here so is that a thing anywhere else <laughs> i mean <laughs> well, i've 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 had buttermilk pie before i've seen that before okay, yeah okay. and th- that's pretty good yeah um buttermilk is a like D- dave what is in this water pie yeah what i've never heard of fi- water pie <laughs> were you able to figure that out I i'm just imagining water. a glass of water uh let me let me pull it back up because i closed it for a second it is Along with the pie crust, oh, damn it, I just lost the page. A deep dish pie crust, water, sugar, flour, butter, vanilla extract. That's it. Oh. Okay. It's like throw the ingredients in there and then put water in it so you can drink it. That's interesting. <laughs> it doesn't look bad. Looks weird a little yeah, bit. It, I'm guessing the vanilla extract is doing most of the heavy lifting in terms of flavor here. Yeah. So eh. I'm more, I'm more intrigued by the vinegar one than, than that one. So yeah, I've never heard of some of these other ones, the apple one I'd heard of um, some, this other one that somebody wrote was called the shoe fly pie. (laughs) Um, And this is a Pennsylvania related one. So it's not just the South that made these weird pies. Which Uh, part of Pennsylvania? Cause it's not all the same. (laughs) <laughs> it said pennsylvania dutch area so dutch oh. okay so that's that's more western yeah right it's, it's it's molasses flour brown sugar and water 
It gets its names from the sweet, sticky molasses that forms on the surface of the pie, attracting flies. So they call it delicious. They call it a shoe fly pie. I don't. I don't. Oh, I get it. Shoe, shoe. That's uh, get the hell away from my pie. Luke Richards is talking to the refs. He's a big fan of (laughs) (laughs) shoe fly. Uh, all right well, well there's there's some there's some early thanksgiving ideas for everyone i might <laughs> at some point this month i want to go back and listen to our pre-thanksgiving episodes to listen to see what we've talked about for food topics and so we don't repeat them over the course of this month well hey you got me eating meat now so that's different uh, well uh, well i told my mom don't cook we're getting the cajun turkey from popeye's <laughs> and she told me basically you can fuck off with that <laughs> as as she should have I don't know, it that was guy. kind of a joke but i also would try it totally. i'm gonna say that turkey's not bad yeah have <laughs> you had it yeah i would totally try it i, I think we, it sounds really good we often get honey baked but um just because you just have to heat their stuff up instead of make it from scratch or like molest a turkey like to rub it yeah i know what you mean not, yeah i do not want to do that um it's gross and last year we tried uh, <laughs> and it was pretty good it's i wouldn't really call it cajun cajun but that's from somebody whose family uh half my grandmother's french and half yeah i mean i assume it's like fast food like yeah cajun it's pretty, but it's good. i mean it's decent like half my cousin's names are like jean-claude so oh right on I just think it's funny because we're such a homemade type of like anytime there's a holiday, like old school throwback, make it at home. So when I told her I was going to get Popeyes, my mom was literally like, yeah, you you think. You should just bring it, but in your own Tupperware and be like, yeah, totally made <laughs> That would be so funny. Just see what happens. Like, uh, did you like it? And if they say yes, you go, aha, it was Popeyes. I've also tried to go to White Castle on holidays, and that idea was turned down as well. But again, it's just funny to see people's reactions to that. For actual burgers or to use it for stuffing? Uh, no, oh. like, oh, not for wait, Thanksgiving. Wait, wait, but... is that a thing? That's, oh, that's yeah, you a... didn't know that? White Castle sliders as stuffing? Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank God I'd be off the next day. i'm not suggesting anyone should eat it but that's like a that's a pretty i feel like yeah especially the last 10 years or so it's it's become like a pretty common thing and maybe that's just around here but oh my god castle's like an annual thing for me not like white castle website and there you it's the the original slider stuffing see there you go are you serious there's not even the closest white castles in nashville from where i am I've oh yeah, had, you guys don't have it everywhere. No we matter have, how close it is to you, it's too close. Well, Betsy, we <laughs> make, I will is. make some. I will make some White Castle stuffing and ship it to you. <laughs> we have crystal down here. Do you think it'll work the same? Uh, it might. It Probably. Might, similar yeah. idea. Similar idea. Yeah, from what I've heard, those are pretty close to each other. It's with a K, right? Crystal with a K. Yeah. Yeah. Like a stripper. Sorry. There we go. That was great... totally a thing everybody said in, in college because they were it's also too like candy with a K. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I think on um, that note, that is that is the perfect way to end this episode. I so I think that's what we're gonna do right here. Um 
So, yeah, that's going to do it for this edition of Musings on Madison. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. Thanks to Mill, Betsy, and Eric for hanging out this evening. And um, we'll we'll be back next week. And hopefully the Hawks keep it within seven goals whenever they face uh, when they face their next two opponents. Because um, I don't think we need to talk about any more any more eight to one games this season. But uh, come back next week, and uh, hopefully we're talking about something a little bit better than that. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Hey.